Greetings. This is Reverend Jay Glover. I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, today is a special day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I would like to uh, just make a, a little bit of an announcement. Um, next Sunday at 4 o'clock, that's the 19th at 4 o'clock, I'm going to be um, in response to a special request. We're going to be talking about women in the church. It's going to be Sunday the 19th at 4 o'clock, and we shall be talking about women in the church. So I would invite you to to join that conversation. It's a controversial, for some people, it's a very controversial issue. And perhaps we can bring clarity um, in some degree to this um, topic. That's uh, Sunday the 19th at 4 o'clock. Um, once again, you can... Um, Sign up for email notifications on the website www.revjaystuartglover.com, Reverend J. Stuart Glover, um, dot com. Please leave your comments on, on any of the um, topics that we talk about. And again, lastly, in terms of announcement, I, I, I don't intend for this to be a, a preaching platform, so um, please remember that I, I'm inviting you to to join in, uh, Laquita, I hope I see you there. And I, if I do, I'm glad to see you. Um, so this story today, you know, getting ready for for next week, um, which is going to be entirely dedicated to talking about women in the church. Today, I want to kind of lead into that. My position is um, clear. I fully support women in, in leadership in the church in all capacities and whatever capacity God has led them to function in the church in. So I'm one of those guys who are fully supportive of women in the church. So today, I want I want to look at this uh, short story from the Bible that comes from Luke, the seventh chapter, the Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter, in verses 36 to 39, reads like this. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to, to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know that he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. This is the word of the Lord. And from this text, this short text, we're going to be talking today on the subject of the sinner, Jesus, and the failure of the religious mind. Amen. The failure of the religious mind. So the question always, a relative question is, what do we, what can we learn from this text and what can we take away from this text this morning? Again, if you're familiar with this story, I would invite you to come on in. Um, as we approach this text, we find three prominent persons in the story. And the majority of the text, the short passage that was read, surrounds um, it's surrounded it's surrounded around the interaction interaction between a woman 
who remains nameless in this story. She is presented and becomes known to us as a sinner. Then there's a, a religious leader, a Pharisee. He's highly educated in the law. And then we see Jesus. So going back to the, the 36th verse, it says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So let me give you a, a little bit of a biblical scholarly tip right here. Are you ready? Whenever you read of Jesus coming into a house or being at a banquet or being present at the sharing of a meal, for sure, it's time to pay attention because something is about to happen. Now, the setting of this story is in the home of the Pharisee. And, and a Pharisee is, you know, these, these are religious, they're leaders in the religious um, circles. They're, they're well-educated, experts in the law. And Jesus accepted the invitation to eat at the home of the Pharisee. Now, as I allow my imagination to look into this person's home, I'm certain that his, he, he had cleaned up. His, his artwork was on display, strategically placed, and, and we find his furniture is, is nicely put together, his library is on display, his, his rugs were adequately cleaned, and, and good food is on the table. I'm sure he cleaned up the house before Jesus got there. He probably made sure everything was just right just before Jesus arrived. But when Jesus shows up, other things became on display. The religious man's failing character, his, his lack of integrity, his spiritual and social insensitivities also became on display at this point in the story, as we will find. For this man, he invited Jesus into his home with, with underlying disingenuous motives. He was setting the stage, as they always did, for entrapment. He, he was hoping to expose Jesus with some sort of, you know, to find um, Jesus guilty of some sort of lying heresy. Him and his faith community considered the, the teachings of Jesus to be far-reaching, heresy, blasphemy, and outright lies. In the midst of this strategic and premeditated setup hosted by a socially powerful religious leader, we come to the story, we find Jesus reclining in the house. And the story says that a woman in that town, this is how it describes the woman, no, she's nameless, who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So Jesus, I can say this, Jesus was a an invited guest. But this woman was an in, uh, uninvited intruder. She wasn't on the guest list and she had no invitation. But she heard about Jesus being in the house. She heard it from somebody. Somebody had to tell her that he was there. The question I have for us today, for those who identify as Christians in the audience, has anybody heard about the Spirit of God being in your house of worship or in your house? 
Has anybody heard of that from you? Have they heard it in the supermarket? Have they heard it in the mall? Have they heard it at the restaurant, in the gym, in the school, in the hospital, at the gas station? Is there somebody here who's still excited about God, excited enough to tell somebody else that God, that Jesus is, you know, as we say in the Baptist tradition, he's a mind regulator and a heart fixer. He still gives sight to the blind and makes the lame to walk. So are we excited enough as people of God to tell somebody to come on out to the church? I know that COVID has shut down the church, but we're reopening. So what else can we learn from this story? That was just a little, a little side note, but, but, you know, we need to get back to some old-fashioned evangelism of telling people about the goodness of God, some old-fashioned outreach. Um, you know, the Wisdom app is nice, Facebook is nice, but it doesn't replace you looking someone in the eye, shaking their hands and inviting them to come to the church. I think I better get back to the story. So the woman is nameless in this story, but we come to know her by the life that she lived. She was presented to the reader as a sinner, and her sinfulness was known to this religious leader and, and he certainly looked down on her with marginalizing eyes, an unforgiving heart, a lack of compassion, and a condescending spirit. I'm going to tell you this. I'll stop right here and tell you this. If you don't know that often in the Bible, in the biblical text, we will find that the outsider often acts better than the insider. And what do I mean by that? I mean that people outside of the religious circles, outside of the, the, the leaders of the Jew, Jewish tradition, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the, the, even people outside of the disciples of Christ are, are um, portrayed in a light sometimes that's even better than, than the religious folk. Hmm, that's a good point. Do people that are not church folk sometimes act better than we do? And I would have to say yes. So this woman... She didn't come empty-handed. She, she had in her hands an alabaster jar, uh, a jar of perfume. And she had um, some resources as demonstrated by, by this expensive jar of perfume. She was, she was a woman with a bit of financial means. We don't know how much money she had and how she got it. But whatever she had, it did not satisfy the hunger and the thirst of her heart. So after hearing about Jesus and all that he had done. She, she was determined to meet him and be in his presence. And as we continue to read, suddenly the Bible says that as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and, and poured perfume on them. So when she got in the presence of Jesus, all of a sudden, she began to cry uncontrollably. She was in the presence of the Lord. She was overwhelmed with the glorious splendor of his majesty. Have you ever been there? Have you ever stepped out of shame and condemnation into the presence of God? And she, so she demonstrated her adoration. She cried with tears of sorrow and tears of joy. And her silent prayers of gratitude were wrapped up or packaged within her teardrops. Her burdens and sorrows were lifted in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of Jesus at the feet of the master, 
her despair began to wane and she received strength for today and hope for a brighter tomorrow had arrived in the person of Jesus the Christ. So what do we learn from this story? Again, if you're um, if you're in in the listening audience and you want to come on in, please do. I feel like preaching, but that's not my intention today. I just want to talk about this story. So, oh, how good it is to be liberated and set free in the presence of God after living a life of sin. I can identify with that. As a matter of fact, I'll be bold enough to say that's enough to make a Baptist dance. Have you ever been there? So what else do we learn from this story, preacher? And I'm glad you asked it. It's, it's, it's at this glorious moment where the sinner meets Jesus that we see the failure of the religious mind on display. For the Bible says that when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So, wow, what do I get from that? This Pharisee certainly doubted. He was uncertain. Probably strongly doubted that Jesus was even a prophet. But I believe that Jesus came as prophet, priest, and king. So with all of his religious training, he did not know that not only was Jesus a prophet, but Jesus existed before any prophecy. He didn't know that God in the person of Jesus the Christ has stepped out of eternity and into time. He didn't know that Jesus was born of a virgin and entered into our struggle. He entered into our suffering. He, he took on a body like our own, one that was capable of dying. This is what we call the incarnation. God became flesh, wrapped up, divinity wrapped in humanity. He took on a body, one that was able to pay the price for our redemption on an old rugged cross. Surely this Pharisee didn't make the connection between Jesus and the prophetic word uttered by the prophet Isaiah, who said uh, in Isaiah 53, 5, he said he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This Pharisee didn't make the connection between that prophetic word and the person in his house, Jesus. He didn't make the connection between the person in his house in Isaiah 61 that said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisons, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. He didn't know any of that. He couldn't discern that God in the person of Jesus was in his midst. He was, matter of fact, he was blinded by his own religion. He couldn't see past his own religious learning and his social privilege. And he certainly couldn't see the mighty work that God was doing in the life of this precious woman. All he knew was that he was a Pharisee and everyone else was dead in sin. 
So after using a parable for a teaching moment, the Bible tells us that Jesus then turned toward the woman and said to Simon, he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. Now here's the part where I say that, you know, we find the outsider acting better than the inside. Do you see this woman? I came into your house and and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. See, back in those days, it was customary for the, the uh, you know, the roads were dusty. And it was customary for the for the person's home where you were coming into to give make accommodations for your feet to be cleaned. So uh, she, Jesus says, you know, I came in your house. She she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, and you did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. So this woman certainly is lifted by Jesus in an honorable way. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And Jesus continues, and now when, when I get past this story, I'm going to invite you in again. Jesus continues, he says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus says to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace which can be translated as go into or into peace that God has provided. So again, what do we learn from this story, folks? I see a sinner. I see the relationship between a sinner, Jesus, and I see the failure of the religious mind in action. The religious minded man in this story was not able to recognize the presence of God in the person of Jesus. He knew the law, but he, he knew not forgiveness. He knew the law, but he knew not love. He knew the ceremonies and the commandments, but he knew not the transformative miracle working power of God that resurrects the sinner to a new life in Christ. Well, um, the idea is this. We must be sensitive, recognize and be sensitive to the sanctifying power of God moving in the lives of people who come through the doors of the church these people don't come through the doors of the church, church, as they say. I'm talking about the unchurched, the prostitute, the drug addict, the alcoholic, the abused, the marginalized, the poor, the fatherless, the motherless, the bruised, the battered, the hungry, and the sick. These are the people that Jesus died for. I was one of them. So let's talk about if you're there, let's talk a little bit about the, the failure of the religious mind in this story. Why do I call it a failure of the religious mind? And if someone is there, let me see who's here today. Jason Kente is in the house. Uh, I see, let's see, Todd Martin is in, Nate George. Nate, I haven't heard from you in a long time, if you're there. Come on and let's see, we got somebody coming. We got Jason Kente, all right. 
I'm glad that Jason is here. I had the chance to talk to him once before. I know he's very active on the Wisdom app. Act, app. I know he was a, uh, hey, TGI a minister at some point. How are you, Jason? Yeah, I was uh, in youth ministry for a number of years um, in Canada, ordained in uh, maybe sometime early last so, decade. Jason, let me ask you a question. Did you are you did you hear any of this story? No, I just came, but oh, I like just to go came. on because I, I I go on people's talks if I uh, have right. a feeling that they're not going to try to cast a spell. <laughs> right, 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 right. If they if I see they're Christian or just neutral, but I don't want to disrupt anybody. So, I, but right. what 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 were you talking about? Well, this story is about um, this story is about this uh, Pharisee invites Jesus to the house for dinner, and when he gets there. Um, a sinner, a woman who's nameless in the story and identified as a sinner comes in as an uninvited guest and she begins to cry at the feet of Jesus and, and wash his feet with her tears in this alabaster uh, jar of perfume. And, and, you know, I call it the failure of the religious mind because, you know, the Bible often portrays the, um, the people outside the religious circles as acting better than the ones inside. And in this case, this is a woman who's, who's introduced as a sinner acting better than the one who is the Pharisee, the religious leader, who is looking down on this woman and saying things like, if this man was a prophet, he would know that this woman, what kind of life she leads, and he wouldn't even let her touch him. So I just see that as the failure of the religious mind. And I think that sometimes we operate out of this um, posture of, of, of religious con con uh, condescending attitude towards those who are haven't been churched as they say so i call yeah. it yeah so what do you yeah. think about that i think jesus came to save uh, and those who are lost and not not those who are uh, and actually he's many to this is one of his focuses that he said that you know those you guys don't basically and you can I lost you, Jason. I, you muted yeah, your mic. my phone. He probably knows my phone, but, but uh, it's just a bill collector. <laughs> Look, but but I sold my house, but I don't get the money until the twenty third. So bill collectors call, but I just said, "Look, I'm coming. I'm getting it at the twenty third. So so basically, right? That basically that you know he didn't come to the the people that were criticizing him the most. They thought they didn't need him, and the ones that killed him actually. Right, hey, word of Pharisees. How about that? How about right? that? Right, the ones that thought they didn't need to be saved because they said they have Abraham as their father. So he said, you know, because he said that if you think you're free, then then you're still uh, a slave. But those who realize that they're slave and bound, they can be set free. So first, you have to recognize that you have a need for Jesus. That you're stuck and this is what's happening today now a lot of people are realizing that wait a minute this economic system is falling wait a minute these uh, you know this there might be a recession coming that now people are realizing they need to be saved mm -hmm. right so now is the opportunity for people that actually uh, have jesus as a solution to say well yes wait but you're you're like i this is my major focus because i'm retired but mm -hmm. my major focus is i spend a lot of time going on other people's talks and i said well is is it really all about you loving yourself because the thing is 
I realize that a lot of people have taken abuse because they've settled for poor treatment because they've been abused. So abuse people, abuse people and confuse people, confuse people. So they've realized, a lot of people have realized that that relationship they thought was the bomb, that man or woman they thought were the bomb, like they actually are, you know, are not all of that. And they left them or they got enough confidence to leave that person. And now they're saying, well, you know, I had more value than I thought I did. So now I'm the most valuable. And now there's now there's a movement to say, well, I'm God. So, mm. you know, I like I shouldn't have allowed that to happen. I love myself. And, you know, it, now now I've seen people posting. Right. And they're boasting. They're saying, I am so great unless you can treat me as well as I could treat myself then you can't even deal with me. I'm better than you. I'm better than everybody. I'm the best. I love myself, right? And I'm like, okay, I do realize that we do have to love ourselves. That's the second step. I think that you have to separate from abusers and users. And then the second step is to love yourself. But the thing is, when people are saying out there, we're all about now, this is my truth. I'm important and I love myself. I won't let myself abuse. Okay, that's good. But the thing is, can you... Can you do anything you put your mind to? And there's a lie that motivational speakers say. They say you could be anything you want to be. Right. And I always tell people, can you be an elephant? Right. Right. Can you be Mars? Right. I'm like, come on. I'm. They're, they're just saying I could do anything. I'm like, okay, you could put any, do anything you put your mind to. Okay, you could do anything you put your mind to. Really? Can you stop the murders? Right. Can you create world peace? Can you stop everybody from dying? Okay, you got that health health thing. Okay, fine. You eat healthily. Great. Can you live forever? Right? Can Okay, so so you can eat healthily. Okay, great. Okay. Can you live to be 120? What about 130? There's still a problem, right? Right. There's still a problem with that logic because I understand you could treat yourself better than your ex or whoever abused you. I understand maybe somebody confused you. I understand the system didn't work, so now you created your own system. Okay, are you creating your own planet? Are you creating all of the stars? Okay, so like I'm a Taurus, right? So maybe I'm bullheaded, but okay. But can you tell me exactly when I'm going to live until? when you're going to live until there's still a problem with this self-love manifest it's because people are saying they want to manifest everything i'm like can you manifest world peace right right. can you bring back somebody from the dead because look all of us have lost somebody all of us right it's been a pandemic everybody is at least at least you've heard of death right like is this just a man in my imagination reverend or is it not true that people are dying like i i I was crying the other day because kids were getting killed right right so like is this not is this was this my imagination like uh, do i just do they not i heard people say they don't want to watch the news because it just gives you the blues so if you don't watch the news does that mean that nobody dies so if you don't watch the news nobody got shot you're just in your own world and i'm like how selfish can people be that their life is okay until it's not right. right their life is okay until they die so well you know this is the thing about other this, people this is the thing this is the thing in this story this religious man the pharisee he um he couldn't come out of his own world and beyond his own religious experience to to recognize the the glorious work of god in the life of this woman so again you know um can can love be manifested? Can you just break away from your own religious God construct and, and be nice to someone else? Let me give you a heads up. Next week, 
we're gonna, and I, I would hope that you would come on to this um, next week, um, Sunday at about the same time. We're going to be talking about women in the church. There seems to be a great controversy about it's, it for some people. There's a controversy about women and and what they're supposed to do, what they can, and what they can't do in the church. I got a special request um, on on my website to to talk about this. So I'm inviting folk to come and talk about um, the women. In the church, I'll tell you right now, I am fully supportive of women that work in the church in any leadership role that God calls them to be in. Um, Me too. I was ordained by a female pastor, there Pastor you go. Pat, right? She's from Jamaica. And I was always wondering, because there's some churches that say that my ordination is not valid, right? I've been reading the Bible since December 1st, 1986. There was right. these, I went to Bible studies and these guys were saying, nope, it's not valid. Maybe no man would step up there saying, no, it's not valid. And I found some other pastor and said, wait a minute, Phoebe. Phoebe was, Paul said women should be silent in the church, but Paul said that Phoebe, and she was a female, that she was um, she was able to, I think she was uh, either an elder or a deacon or right. something, right? right? right. So, so the same person that said women should be silent in the church, he didn't mean that, that they couldn't be have positions and be deacons and stuff like that. He spoke more against promoting somebody. It's worse to promote a man early right that's not he could become in the condemnation of the devil than of a female that right. is actually ready and ordained by god and called by god so right. i believe that i was ordained by a female pastor i don't believe that was invalid she's actually done uh, done a lot and god has used her wonderful right? wonderful so, so so yeah so I, i'm down with that so listen i'm gonna um i'm gonna let somebody in i got somebody on the line coming in but you know when he's off i appreciate if you come back because what you said is really um, credible to this discussion that we, you know, it counts towards with this discussion that we're going to have next week about women in the church. Believe me, there are folks who are highly intolerable of, of women um, having leadership roles in the church. And I think it's a myth that needs to be dismantled. So, oh, yeah, I was actually my ex. She was part of one of those churches where she's not allowed to have a position. Right. And, and so, and she wouldn't follow me. And that's why I'm single at 45. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm serious. And I'm waiting like for marriage. Said, so I'll come back. If it don't fit, if it don't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> so, all right. So I got one, I got Todd Martin coming in. Jason, I hope you come back. Todd, how are you? It's always good to hear from you. We're, we are um, just leading up to this discussion. Next week's discussion on women in the church. I'm sure you've heard about it. Forthcoming. <laughs> yes, I have. I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussion. I really, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to know um, more from different perspectives, right? Uh, for sure. Um, but on your talk that you're talking about today, right. on uh, on the the woman who uh, washed Jesus' feet and the uh, the biblical scholar or the the uh, religious uh, person that. Um, that uh that scoffed at it i i uh, so i like to know i i i like to all things into perspective as far as other things that um that god reveals to uh, um throughout scripture because we're supposed to um scripture should be interpreted through scripture right right and so um so in i think that's not one of the things that we forget that we don't pay as much attention to one way or the other is that we get so either so um, caught up with um, the laws that mm -hmm. uh, we forget about the relationship 
Right. Or we get so caught up in the relationship that we forget about the laws. Right. And um, and it's the same as in uh, how he's designed marriage for us too. Right. That um, sometimes we get so caught up in the relationship and a new relationship, and we're in such uh, young love that right. um, that we just fall headlong into the relationship because there's so much. Um, so much affection and so much of the, the everything's based on feelings right. but um but we forget that in order for love to flourish that there has to be boundaries and god's uh, ordained us to, to flourish so and right. he gave us that example in marriage that and and he uses that as an example for god and us a lot as we're being called the bride that um mm-hmm. That in that example, um, that love will flourish. We can have a wonderful relationship and we can love our spouse. But once that, you know, the beginning of the puppy love wears off and once my life, my wife has seen me walk around the man after a while, it's the news worn off. And, um, and if I, she's not going to be accepting of just anything and everything in, in the way that I act and do that, um, I can't talk to her a certain way that I can't treat her with disrespect. I can't, um, I can't give myself just over to the leader of the household because he said so, but be, you know, overbearing and unloving and, and, uh, that, and, and I can have other women or I can do. You know, all the other things that are the boundaries and the rules that, that he's given to us in order for love to flourish. And it's right. the same as the the one who is the religious person that looks at the law. He's looking at, and it's why they came up with so many hundreds of laws and whatever else mm-hmm. beyond the, the two that Christ gave us. At least but, 613. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I being a... Um, um, a man from Texas that um, likes my my guns. You know, it's the same thing as the gun law. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not the laws about guns that are the problem. It's not adhering to the law that you know you shouldn't kill your neighbor. Right. You shouldn't kill people. And if we we observe that, we don't have the problem with what kind of guns are legal and what are not. Right. Um, you know that it's the, it's a hard problem. And so I let, let that, me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Um, yeah. How, how do you feel about me um, calling this topic or when I'm pointing, I'm pointing my finger at the Pharisees' response to this woman. Don't forget, she was identified in the story as being a, a, uh, a sinner. No name, but a sinner. Yeah. Um, and he, um, you know, and he, he had doubts about who Jesus was. He said if he was a prophet, he would mm-hmm. know what type of woman she was and she w- he wouldn't allow her to touch him. So what do you feel about this religious man's attitude towards this woman? Do you think that I'm justified in calling this um, one of my topic the failure of the religious mind? Oh, I think for sure. I think for sure. I think that um, it is the, uh, I think it kind of is the failure of the religious mind that that he's so, um, he's caught up with, you know, it even went to the extremes that the Jews would write, you know, things on their foreheads in little boxes and time. Like how how silly did things have to get when he's telling you to keep it on your mind? Mm-hmm. But we're going to take it to the extreme of, you know, you have to do. And, and he loses the relationship. He loses mm-hmm. the idea. He loses the complete thought that, that 
the desire for for God is to have a relationship with us, right? And, and not only not only for God to have a relationship with us and us to be reconciled to God, but for us to be reconciled to one another, uh, yes. humanity, humanity. Yes. Um, you know, so that we can um, bear the image of God in us as we journey through our life in this world. So right. you know, and there's parameters say- around that too, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. So you know, all I'm saying is that the the unchurched. The prostitute, the drug addict, the alcoholic, the abused, the marginalized, the poor, the fatherless, the motherless, the bruised, the battered, the hungry, and the sick all should all be welcomed by the church with open arms. For sure. And I think that that that's a a great example as to how those are reached is through the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that coming to them with uh, fear and to, to create the fear and trembling sometimes it's not the introduction it's not the best introduction for for some of that i think that's kind of almost the one who has everything it's the you need to to introduce the fear and trembling well we we call that we like to call that um rules without relationship Mm. you know so you know you you meet you bring young people into the church or anybody and you tell them all sorts of stuff what you can do what you can't do you know don't play golf on sunday don't do this, don't do that, um, as opposed to pointing them to open their relationship with God. And it scares people away. Yeah. Um, and it, it, and, it's, misle- and it, it's harmful to people. It's harmful. Um, I know the, my God construct as it exists today is much different than the embedded theology of my youth. Um, I, I thought God was like some sort of celestial scorekeeper who was just counting up my good deeds and bad deeds and waiting to decide my fate as opposed to now i um embrace the love of god and and i don't think that he ever stopped loving me yeah i you know i hear that a lot too i hear that a lot from from young people that i I think that the young people that we are trying to reach at this time um are young people that have not that don't know adversity and and um, and especially after the past couple of years, have, are having a really difficult time with relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, whenever it's you know introduced as just uh, rules without the relationship, it's just it's not appealing at all. Um, right now, the relationship is probably in the for- foremost, and and especially for those who are hurting. Mm-hmm. Well, I think young people struggle. You know, again, I work with college students, and um, I think that part of the relationship, uh, and and by the way, I I recognize a a trouble in relationships amongst that age group. Um, Part of it is, I think, is due to the fact that they don't spend enough time getting to know one another Mm. before they jump in deep um, into these these romantic relationships, you really need to get to know somebody before you um, uh, overextend yourself, as they say. Um, um, I was I was a young man once too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so, but you know, it does, things don't always work out, and I think part of the problem is rushing through the um, the um, I guess what we used to call the dating stage. Yes. Um, and getting right to, you know, considering yourselves as, as being together in a, in a serious relationship. 
But anyway, I um, I think you got a, a couple of seconds left here. Todd, I want you to really look into the, um, uh, I expect to hear from you, hopefully you're around next week. And, yes. and with this uh, with this women in the church argument, because I've got a lot to say about it, and I'm hoping to get some other people that could voice their opinion. I've got stuff to say about who really wrote that, or who was it that wrote what was written about women being quiet in the church, and and um, where those mm. household codes come from, and and um, and you know some of the examples of how women were portrayed in the scripture, especially by Jesus. Well, and I, I think, I think I'm, I'm actually looking really forward to doing to to listening to that, and it's actually giving me a purpose to actually have something of a subject to be able to look and research. Sure. All right. So do that, and and I'm gonna let um, uh, I'm gonna let um, Jason back in because I think he had something to say about his uh, uh, his experience of being ordained by by a woman or. or licensed. I was I, I wasn't sure if it was licensed or ordained, but it doesn't matter. Ordained, yeah. Ordained, okay. Youth it, minister, uh, right? Yeah, youth minister of education, and um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, God calls us all to be ministers. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I have a very big problem with our pharisaical view of things. That okay, I'm a titled minister. I'm a titled pastor. You're yeah. not. You're down there. Yes. Right, because that's what they were saying to Jesus. They're like, "Who are you?" Right, right. Exactly. We're Pharisees. Who are you? Right. right. You're just mm-hmm. Joseph's son. Who, who is this guy? Right. right. And it's like the, the literally God is here. We're saying he don't have a title. Right. What degree? Where did he go to seminary? Right. Who is right. this guy? Right? right. Like they're like, look, forget about this guy. Let's disqualify him. Let's get this woman. Ask him. Okay, get that woman that you were doing th- something with. Right. Um, bring her and 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 in the very active adultery. Ask him. Let's discredit him because where right. he didn't go to Harvard. Wait, 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 wait. Did he go to Dallas Seminary? Wait, wait a minute. Right. He didn't. I didn't see him at Dallas Seminary with me. What? What is this? This guy just come out. This guy's a carpenter off the street. He's a carpenter's son. He's a son of a carpenter. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Right. Let's discredit him. That that's what it is. That's what the spirit is. Right. So yeah. when we start to do that to other people now, mm-hmm. say I'm I'm a. I'm a, I'm a, uh, what, an overseer, right? Mm-hmm. I, right? I'm interpreting this as women should be silent in the church. I'm an overseer. Who is this other person? Oh, right. she's just a woman. She should be silent, right? It's the spirit that you have, your objective and your heart when you interpret a scripture is what actually delivers bias. Because look, if somebody wants to enslave people, then they interpret a Bible and say, hey, I'm Israel. I can enslave these people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then if if somebody isn't, they look at it and say, "Hey, slaves should be set free." Look at Israel, how they got delivered, right? But then if somebody is like, if somebody's a male and they want to do, they want to enslave people and say, "Look, I'm a man. I'm like how Jesus was. I'm going to enslave my wife." Right. But then if somebody is empowered, they're saying, look, Jesus was empowering the women. Right. And he said to John, like, oh, make sure you take care of Mary. Right. So the thing is, if you have a bent and you pick up the Bible and you want to hurt people, you'll use the Bible and slap people with it. Okay? Absolutely. You use the Bible and somebody will be getting away and running away from you and because you're just using a Bible thumper and you'll use the Bible and you'll throw it at them and trip them. And then after that, when they fall down and they trip, you'll go over them, you'll pick up the Bible and you'll keep hitting them with it. Right. 
Right, right, right. And that's tragic. Jason, you know, I want to, um, I want, you know, I usually take these talks and post them up on my website and they, you know, it goes through um, uh, Apple and Amazon and, and Spotify and, and iHeartRadio and all that stuff. So if you would um, um, be kind enough to send me um, on my website, if you could just send me a short or let me know where I can get some a short bio stuff from, from you. Oh, sure. I'll send I'd like to you. I'd like to put uh, yeah, it up sure. on a talk. I usually do that by the next day. So tomorrow will be up there. Yeah, sure. Um, I, uh, I'll just send you the. I'll just send you the link. Like, just DM you on Instagram. Can I do that? Because I'll just send you the link. Yeah, you can. Do bio. That. Yeah, you can do. That. Yeah. So the thing is, I have myself ready, right? But I'll send you the link directly because I I, I have JasonKinte.ca. It bounces to my LinkedIn, um, and then you know I have all sorts of different websites. I have a large collection of free websites in the world since that. Okay, I, could, I think I could find. Yeah. I just want to let you know that was my way of doing. Oh, 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 that's great. <laughs> you know, I know everything. So the thing is, I don't know everything. But I, I'm willing to um, repent and, and correct anything that I've said on the record. So what I'm saying is this, and this is something that's a nugget for everybody listening. Can you be backwards accountable for every single word you speak? Because you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the thing is, because it says in the Bible, what is said in the darkness will be right. exposed in the light. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're already accountable. Because even if it's in your backward back door and you don't think anything is recording, and trust me, if you watch politics, you realize there's people recording when you don't think people are recording, but it doesn't matter because God is still listening, right? So if you are doing something sneaky or if you're saying something different than what you say in public and private, it doesn't matter if anybody recorded that like the Nixon tapes. It doesn't matter because God heard it. Mm-hmm. So you can record anything I said, and look, and I was saying at one point I was planning to run for prime minister, but listen, I, that's why I never got drunk. That's a bad reason I never got drunk. The other reason I never got drunk is because I, I've seen people, I watched the movie Hangover, okay? I always bring a practical application for the young people. because that's they, good. Right? I watched the movie Hangover, and I saw a part of it where the guy wakes up with a woman after getting drunk, and, and he wakes up with the woman's name tattooed on his chest. And he didn't remember who she was. And not only that, I worked at a financial institution. And before this one brother got saved, and I thank God that he's saved now and he hadn't killed anybody, to, right? But he used to go out drinking on the weekend and come into work Monday. And he'd say, yeah, man, I partied so hard Saturday night. Uh, man, I don't even remember how I drove home. Mm-hmm. Right. And he'd see the look in my eyes. And because I was like now, I seem pretty outspoken, but I was very quiet at work because certainly I can't preach it. And actually, when I was at before, when I was at Microsoft, they nicknamed me preacher. because, And it wasn't a positive thing. They, they said, you know what I'm saying? This was 2004, but this is somewhere else where I was working after. And he literally said, and he would, was proud about it. All is, right, so now let me let me let me get yeah. let me get back on topic here and just yeah, topic. Let, let me ask yeah, you this: exactly. um, We're talking about this woman and the failure of the religious mind. You brought up the fact that there were people who thought that the woman your your ordination was invalid because it was done by a woman. What would yeah. what what are um what do you think we can uh, how do we get there and what can we do to get away from that? Well. I think you have to properly understand the context of those certain scriptures. So the way they referred, they referred to the fact that Paul said women must be should be silent in the church. 
But you have to understand what was happening at the time. He said, if you have any questions, you should ask your husbands at home. So we have to understand, and this is why it is important. Um, now, when somebody doesn't know the Bible and doesn't know uh, Christianity, you want to start out with the basics and say that we have problems in the world because of free will and people aren't following God. And that's why people are getting killed and all this right. wars and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when somebody already has no understanding of the Bible, now you have to explain where the context of those things that were said that can people people can misconstrue to enslave people or stop women from speaking mm -hmm. in the church. So so that's something that maybe you are trained in, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm not I'm not trained in I didn't go to seminary. Right. I I just right. fortunately the Gideons gave me the New Testament in grade three and I believed what they said. Hey, that was listen, you can read nineteen eighty six. You certainly yeah. can read. <laughs> Yeah, I could read and I could write too. <laughs> but, that works. But the, sometimes when I say uh, go all over the place, people say, "Well, stay on topic." I'm like, I got a hundred percent in grade ten math. Everything I say is on topic. Right, 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 right. What's right, your next right. question? Right. Well, no. The the um the thing is um, you know, it's a it's tragic that that women are excluded. For me, it's tragic that women are excluded and, and marginalized from taking on leadership roles in the church for different reasons. I mean, I heard a story of, of one woman who was, who was um, a, a leader in the church, a pastor, and, and um, she's married and she got pregnant through her marriage, right? And when she got pregnant, the, 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 um, the board that was leading the church, you know, that was, you know, the, the, I guess the ecumenical board or the Presbyterian board, they told her, oh, now that you're pregnant, you can't preach anymore. Wow. <laughs> I don't understand. You don't really get it. You know. So yeah. I look at it like this. I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much of my my insight. But I, I figure, listen, we're here. We may as well spend the time wisely. Um, I mean, listen. We used to. We refer to Jesus as being the Word of God, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 so so Mary conceived the Word of God. She carried the Word of God, and she delivered the Word of God. So what is the problem with a woman being a preacher? I think that people, um, is a, they, they take a limited mindset. Now, if they were taught that and they're brought up in it, it's very hard for people to break free of what they've been ingrained in, what's been ingrained in them, mm -hmm. right? But if you actually just read the Bible, you'll see that Phoebe, right? Like right. Paul, he, had, I, I believe that that's a good example because that's what somebody showed me. Right. I knew intuitively, I heard from God through this pastor. I mm -hmm. had a dream that brought me to that church. Mm -hmm. And the dream was a woman bringing me into a building. And then I went to that church and I realized that that was that church that I was called to. And I had fruit there for a decade. So I knew that that it was okay. Right, 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 right. Well, you know, I think uh, you mentioned a good point. You said that it's hard for us to break um, break out of the, the things that we've been taught. We like to call us the embedded theologies of our youth. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we, we take, the Bible needs to be read, um, um, you know, in, in its entirety, you, you can't take three lines of scripture and and let those three lines outweigh, you know, the majority of the evidence, you know. Um, so when I look at Jesus's interaction with women, when I look at um, uh, the way that even the Old Testament lifts up uh, women in the stories in her in a heroic way, 
and, and demonstrations of faith and obedience to God, I don't see how we can come to the conclusion that women should not be afforded the opportunity to, um, and I shouldn't even say afforded, that women shouldn't assume roles of, of leadership in the church. Um, to me, it's a tragic tragedy that's birthed out of the um, uh, patriarchal um, practices of, of society since way back when. I was wondering if, if uh, Laquita is actually around. If she is around, I would like certainly like to hear from her. There she is. Laquita, thank you so much for being around and, and joining this topic because it's such a, um, I got a special, hey, doing? I'm doing good. I got a special request to talk about this, women <laughs> in the church. And, and I let me just start off by saying that I am fully supportive of women assuming leadership roles in the church as long as God calls them to do it. Yes. Um, so so what do you have anything you might want? Now, next week, I don't know if you're going to be around next week at this time, but we're going to be doing an actual talk on, on women in the church. And, I, and can, I can make myself available. This is always... Um, this is always a super sensitive topic in the body of Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, um, it's it's really tragic because women, uh, you know, like I said, uh, where <laughs> where were the dudes at the foot of the cross? <laughs> right, right. I remember I had been I was invited back to my home church, the church that I grew up in, uh-huh. and I grew up in a Free Will Baptist church um, for a mission uh, missionary. Uh, conference that was taking place and anywho I was invited back to be the speaker for that conference and I was not that I'm old now but I was much younger uh, a little bit more immature woman at that time Mm -hmm. so I was getting ready to um, to minister and I was sitting there and some of the older gentlemen and to be honest some of the older ladies Mm -hmm. um, at the time were very point blank that you cannot minister from the pulpit. You know, the women are, aren't allowed to minister. Women aren't allowed to do this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, I've always found it strange in some of the, the mainline denominations that put these restrictions on women. But you're quick to give us the title of an evangelist and a missionary. Right. What in the world do you think they do? Right. Like, <laughs> right, 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 right. It, it's so contradictory. It's like, it's, and it, you made a very great point that this thing, this erroneous belief system, um, is was birthed before any of us were ever thought of thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. and it came out of, I believe, just um, ignorance, not fully understanding the full context of the scripture. When we can't, like you said, we can't just pick a scripture. Or two to prove a point, right. you know, in those particular passages of scripture, and I'm not a theologian, so please jump in any moment and correct mm-hmm. me. Sure. And some of those particular passages of scripture, those women were doing things that they should not have been doing, and right. the husbands were allowing it. Right. So the man of God was just trying to call order back into the house. Right. Well, and until you know, yeah, women, well, until well, you get it right, men, you need to do this. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't, as you say, the end all be all because there was too many. There's too many passages of scripture from Genesis to Revelation where women were significantly were put in positions of authority. Right. And Deborah, 
is, is a great case. It doesn't mean that there were no men in Israel at that time. That's crazy to believe that. Right. But it was none that the Lord found worthy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, you know. Well, you weren't around, my husband wasn't around, it wasn't any around that the Lord found worthy. And if the men in position of authority at the time did not have a problem with that, right. to the point where the man have said, I'm not going into this battle unless you go. Right. You go, I'm going to go. You tell me what to do, I'm going to do it. But needless to say, in that, in that conference, when they said that to me and we were setting up, I said, okay, no problem. You know, I grew up in the church and I ministered the word and everybody was really excited about the word. And this is where my immaturity kicked in. I brought up what I just said to you <laughs> at the end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I left it at this. It, at the end of the day, we probably won't settle this argument until Jesus returns, right? right? But whether a woman is allowed to minister from the pulpit, from the floor in the congregation, the back door, the streets, if she has truly been anointed and called by God, it don't matter where right. you put her. <laughs> the only people that are concerned about where she sits and where she stands are the people whose motives to be sitting and standing in those positions right. are wrong anyway. Right. Well, my, my um, you know, I think it's, you know, these, this this problem comes from a patriarch, patriarchal power, you know, of, of men wanting power to yeah. rule the world. But, but, um, exactly. but fundamentally, you know, I think that to... To say that a woman is, it, it casts a, a notion of the woman is inferior to a man, and 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 mm -hmm. spiritually inferior, and 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 um, to me, it's like to I'm me, sorry. it's it's like go that, ahead. No, I was saying it's like that whole thought process totally eliminates Genesis chapter one, verses twenty six through twenty eight. Mm -hmm. You know, if if yes, I understand that I'm submissive to my husband. Um, and, and all of that, on all, all of that, but when, before I was created, right. when we were just in the mind of God, Genesis 1, 26 right. and 28, he created us male right. and female. He created right. us and he gave us both dominion, power, right. and authority over every creature. And so for, for somebody earth. then, and you know, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's okay because I'm just getting practice for next week, but 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 we could put a yeah, pin in no, until but, next but week. For, yeah, we for, for, um, you said you know Genesis when we're, we're created in God's image, men and women are both created to bear the image of God in this world, and so you can't then conclude that well the woman can only bear the image of God in a lesser in a lesser way. <laughs> You know, it doesn't make sense. So it's an attack it on make, God. It makes this word of no effect. It's, like, a, it's an now. attack on on the imago dei, as we say. The imago dei is the image of God, and 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 it's attack and it's an attack. It's an assault against the um, imago dei or the image of God as carried by women. So it's a tragedy. It's a great mm -hmm. tra tragedy, and, mm -hmm. and and we wonder why. And you know, then again, we have um, you know a lot of media today that kind of you know this is my problem but i love music and all of that kind of stuff back in the day i used to play the guitar with a, with a very well-known group as a teenager but um the music world today has become so um misogynistic and and uh, mm -hmm. you know women 
you know, imageries of women that are certainly degrading and and youth mm-hmm. are thinking that this is what it's about. You know, so you got you right. got the church telling them that they're not worthy and you got the mm-hmm. world telling them that they're not worthy. That they're not worthy. So, so, so you that's know. why we're having this conversation. Yeah. We, we definitely, I'm, I'm loving this conversation, and, and um, myself and my husband, we stay in the hot seat in certain places mm-hmm. um, because the very point that you're bringing out, it's like we're just going to forget the obvious and go with the traditions of men, <laughs> meaning humans. We're going to go with the traditions of humans that make us feel comfortable because, you know, and one of the things that, that I've been known to say is, it, it within the church, we love to. Um, where the word says that the older women are to teach the younger women, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, we're we're supposed to teach them what you know how to behave as 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 godly right. women and being that Proverbs thirty one woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true. That's true. We do that. And but when a woman does or says something out of line, out of character, or that rubs. Some, some, uh, and I won't say all men. I will say men that uh, don't, men that are prideful, men that that need to belittle others in order to feel good about themselves. Right. When, when, when they're stepping on the toes of toxic, mm-hmm. men, can I right. say that? When they're stepping on the toes of toxic right. men, then we're as women, we're sent to go police those those women up and say, hey, you can't do that. Or, you know, this is not what the scripture says, or if she's caught, you know, as a woman, maybe if she's single in fornication, or if she was a married, she was an adultery, or she's doing something that does not fit the bill of submission. Right, right, right. right. Uh, or uh, she expresses any feminist viewpoints, right. right? And I was in a meeting, and I challenged the leaders in the meeting, some of the men. It's like, where do you think this stuff came mm-hmm. from? Why do you think feminism exists? Right. It is true. It's a plot and it's a plan. It's a plot of the enemy. Um, I'm all for women empowerment, but women empowerment is definitely different from right, feminism. Right, right. But the enemy saw a, a, an open right. door. There was a problem right. in the church, in the world, where toxic, abusive men were misusing the scripture in order to keep women back in abusive situations. Amen. So, and that's in the right. church. Absolutely. So there was a need for that. All right, hold on a second. Hold and on a second. I gotta let somebody in, and I want you to, if you if okay. you're around, please come back because I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, if if you're available for next week, some things that we might want to talk to, and, and, you know, get out there in the open a little bit deeper than we've gone today. And and I, um, Laquita, I know you are totally qualified to do that. Todd, how's it going? Man. Uh, man, I tell you what, your uh, next week uh, talk is getting talked about a lot this week. <laughs> well, no, it's good. It, we're, we're setting the groundwork. It is good. It's a, it's a critical. Yes, I only think good. that's because the spirit of the Lord is moving, and 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 um, we're just kind of getting people to uh, give people an idea of what it is that we're talking about. There are a lot of things. I, to I talk agree. About. It is. It's such a. It's it's so. Um, it's such a, a a good topic and 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 a much needed talked about topic. I I, I was gonna say that um, I think it's important 
Um, and this is how we as a church should be dealing with a lot of this, right? And understanding starting out at the beginning that this isn't, this is not a salvational right. issue. This is an issue that is, and, and the desire is to know more of what God's intent is for right. us and to put it in properly. And, and I think that, um, you know, from my, from my, and, uh, you know, uh, my, you said earlier, um, that these are, are uh, these are things that we learn from our youth or that, you know, we're kind of, right. you know, almost impregnated with, with, you know, from our upbringings that, um, and so it's good for me. I, I was brought up where there was no, uh, no women's uh, preaching in the church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and as I saw it and the way that it was, it was taught for me was that, um, also in Genesis that that the woman that there's a, a God is such an organized God that he's he has intent in all of, of what he does and I don't see think that he sees one role being lesser or greater than the other that his role is your role is to serve him and and we take some of these on as um, being the the great orator as being something that's greater than the than the person who's um, um, teaching the children too, and that they are of, of such great significance all around. It's our own perceptions that we put right, on right. them um, that we always look at the at the the one that's standing at the pulpit is the one who is who's the most important, and and uh, when in reality, you know, it's it's so everyone is right and and that role for each one is so important that we i almost think that it it's 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 a uh it's upside down that we have continued to put um you know that role as being the greater one instead of that one the one that is serving is the greatest of all and our example is the one who was the greatest of all was the right exactly and yeah, and that 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 role, and that we've we've told ourselves that that it's it's uh, it's almost scary mm-hmm. to be in the position of leadership yes. because of what you're going to be carrying around and the burden you're going to be carrying around because all lives are going to be on you. Almost the worst worst position in the whole church is the wife of the pastor. Right. I mean that that that's the toughest role there is. Right. Um, and the hardest one to carry, but, um, I I don't know. I just, you know, I, I think that, um, he also tells us that the, the, the lesser will be the greatest and the greatest will be the lesser. Right, 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 right. Um, so we always have, he just continues to tell us over and over that we've got it upside down every single time. Well, you know, you know, that, that, that reminds me of how, you know, one of the things I said today is that, um, in the entirety of the biblical text, you will find that often the outsider is is um, put in a more favorable light than the inside. And what I mean by that is that the person outside the religious leadership circles, um, you know, you can look at the story of the Good Samaritan. It was the, and I think we may have talked about this before, that it was the person who was the, the one who was looked down upon in society, the Samaritan person who ended up acting more godly than the religious leaders who walked by and left the person on the side of the road to die. 
Um, you know, right. so um, you know, so when we when we talk about this thing next week, it would be a good idea to have some just to take a look at some stories of women in the Bible and how they're portrayed. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure that you can find some negative ones, but I guarantee you that the positive stories that where the women are lifted in a heroic manner outweigh any notion of of um, women lifted up in in a negative way, and. Um, you know, and that 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 that's throughout the biblical text. So we can look at that. We can look so we can look at the good stories and the bad stories. Uh, we can look at, um, you know, uh, the fact. I like to point to the cross and say, well, where were the the the, the male disciples? Kind of like, um, for the most part, fled out of fear, which is understandable. They they were afraid for their lives. Over and over, the the men fail over right. and over and right. over, and still do. That's true. And mm-hmm. still do. They fled yeah. the scene. Um, you know, one of them said, um, I'm I don't even know him. <laughs> don't don't say I was one of them. I don't know him. So uh Well and I think that's the other part is the world sits all the time and and um I think the greatest crime that our society has has put upon our our society is the um belittling of the role of the of the mother mm. and the the lacking the importance and the understanding of what a, a a the importance of that role like that 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 no one else spends more time or that is in the process of rearing our children in the way of god or in the in in way of truth is than than the Amen. mother and and we continue to, uh, for some reason, has 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 it has been told to women nowadays that this is not as an important of a role when it's the it's the backbone mm-hmm. of of every bit. Absolutely, absolutely. It's the backbone of our society. Absolutely. Without that role, without that role being done, without us revering that role, that that role is the is is the true leadership position. That that's where our children learn from, come from, and they're instilled with truth from the beginning. You know. Um, Listen, God. You know, God chose Mary to bring His Son into the world. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so. You know, and a woman was the. I'm giving away all my secrets for next week. But a, a woman was a woman was um, the first one to reveal the, the 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 fact of the risen Christ to everybody else. It was a woman who first found that out and witnessed it and brought it to the other disciples and, and delivered it. And that we re, that we but, but we don't that we don't revere that position. That we're allowing our society to belittle that position and the, the showing that that's more important. That that the that the role that we're willing to abandon that role in in our society um, and not put the importance on that is going to be so detrimental to us. We he gave us the example of a father, and it wasn't Joseph. Right. Our, our, the example of the father is our father right. in heaven. Right, but the the role of the mother is 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 shown in in a in in creation in a woman. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, you know, so, um, again, um, I think that we've we've come to we draw these conclusions from a small portion of scripture, 
And you know, biblical scholars. I, I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I am a seminary graduate, and and biblical scholars would offer, would challenge the um, the authorship of this particular, those particular scriptures, the origin of those particular scriptures, the authorship of um, of uh, of um, those household codes, and and the one who told women to be quiet in the church was really kind of directed at things that were going on in that local church. So do we got we don't we can't forget that we're reading somebody else's mail. All right. Mm-hmm. So Todd, I'm gonna let um Laquita back in and, and when she gets done we're gonna be yes, we're going to wrap this up and I look forward to seeing you next week and hearing from you and do, do you. your homework because we're gonna be get, going in deep. <laughs> <laughs> I will All right? I will thank you for this I, I enjoy this. All right, God thank bless. you. Hello there. The creature's coming back. She must have something to say. There she is. Hello. I know I just want to um, let Todd know, I hope he's still listening, that he had some amazing points. He was so on point. And even where he was talking about um, the minimizing of the mm-hmm. role of mother of mother and right. wife, that, that's a whole nother topic mm-hmm. um, that... I love to talk about um, on my podcast. Uh, my podcast is all about helping women find their places of courage, destiny, and power. What is the name of the podcast? And one, it's called Laquita's Toolbox. I, I, I follow you, by the way, on that. I just wanted you to say it so everybody could hear. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But and the re- one of the things is it's because in all of these erroneous belief systems it is one of the worst things that has happened it is it has caused women to struggle with their identity or to struggle to come in agreement and an alignment with their god-given assignment our first and foremost god-given assignments as wife and Mm -hmm. mom um, to meet what the world currently defines as success now with that being said I, i encourage women if you want to be the corporate ceo entrepreneur woman by all means, do yes. that, but do that in a balance, right. right? You know, I can't tell you not to do something that I myself am right. doing, but uh, from my own experience, many years, I struggled with my position as wife and mom and saw it as insignificant when, as Todd pointed out, as you and Todd pointed out in your conversation, that is the most significant role on the face of the wow. planet. Mm-hmm. There would be no us without right. them. Like, there would be no humanity without right. women. Right. That the next generation won't be a generation if women are not giving right. birth. So to allow a system, a, a, a set of thoughts and, and, a, and a corrupt system to continue to breed this ideology is just wrong. And we as the church can't continue to be participants in that. Right. When what we've been called to do as women is to be... We're, Eve is the mother of all living. If I'm called to be the mother of all living, whether I have a mic in my hand standing on the pulpit, whether I am in the hospitality, whether I'm an usher in the choir, whether I'm just a faithful church goer, it doesn't matter what I do as a woman. My role is significant. So can you tell you? So can you tell us a little bit about um, your work in helping women that may have been um, traumatized by this patriarchal, um, um, you know? In inequality. 
So, they, uh, so really, what I like to do with the women, with uh, with my clients, is have just conversations with them. And in each session, in our initial session, um, we go through an assessment. Um, if she's married, I try to encourage her to have her husband participate. And then we use the assessment um, through preparing and rich. If you guys are familiar with what preparing and rich is, it's a um, it's a it's a marriage assessment. But in that, it gives me a good idea of her personality and where we can begin to do the work. If her husband does not want to participate, if she married or if she's single, then I'll use the DISC assessment because I, I am a certified um John Maxwell speaker and coach right. as well to use his method of right. DISC. And in that DISC assessment, based off of that DISC assessment, we then go through um, a SWOT analysis. Yes. And with those two things in mind, just like we do SWOT analysis on our businesses, we have to do SWOT analysis on ourselves personally. Mm-hmm. And we begin to craft um, a personal development and growth plan. And I do it that way to get the pressure off because a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, you know, we're, we're laboring before the Lord hours and days and all of this, believe in God. Okay. What do you call me to do? I use that as a way to get the clutter out to get. And when they're removing that clutter, then the Holy spirit can speak to them. Then they can go back to God in prayer. And when we take this massive big thing, Uh, Oh my God, who am I called to be? What are my gifts? What am I supposed to be doing? That's a massive thing that could be overwhelming to a person. Right, right, right. But if I can take that massive thing and go through it and break it down and walk with the client step by step by step, that client will come to that conclusion. The, The Holy Spirit will speak to that client and that client will come to that conclusion that who they are, they've always known. They just need to validate her. Mm, validate. They need to see her differently. Right. Mm. They need to. They need to. She needs that woman needs to see herself the way God sees Amen. her. Amen. And she needs to see herself the way that others undoubtedly have seen her throughout the course mm-hmm. of her life. Um, and if it should be one of a situation where that client is in a toxic environment, right. when she begins to see herself the way that God sees Amen. herself, sees her then she will begin to remove herself from that toxic environment and begin to place herself in environments that are more conducive to her growth, to her spiritual growth and her personal growth. And that's not an easy word. Because I I know, I know I hear patterns of, you know, women that can't, that always want to turn back to the, to the, to the very people that, you know, that um, enslaved them with this, um, this mistreatment. And and it's so it's a hard cycle to break. It's very it runs very deep, and it's a hard cycle to break. It does. It does because in depending on how long that individual is a client with me, inevitably sometimes the topic of church hurt comes up, and I'm not invalidating church hurt at right. all. Not at all. It's right. real. God didn't hurt you though. Jesus did not right. hurt you. These individuals that are misrepresenting him Amen. hurt you. So there's nothing that you need to prove to these individuals right. when God has already validated right. me. And sometimes I see clients go in that direction for a couple of reasons. One, they want to prove that they're worthy to these people or they still have some unhealed hurts, unresolved issues and unmet needs. And fear is still controlling them. And so when they get to that place where they can break the back of fear from their life. Right, right. 
then they're able to move forward because in that church hurt situation, eventually the client has to come to a place where they own their personal responsibility. Because as an adult, I have a personal responsibility to myself to remove myself from bad situations. So if I've been in this toxic church environment for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and I know it and I keep going back, I own just as much responsibility for my hurt and my trauma mm-hmm. as the people who are doing it because I keep taking myself back. Right, 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 right. And sometimes that's a hard place for the client to come up to, to move from as well. Um, but when they are able to take that personal responsibility and not allow guilt to set in, right. then they're able to con- they're able to run and not look back. Right, right. Well, that that's a hard work. Um, and I commend you for being, um, you know, diligent and being persevering along that journey, standing with, with the women who have been traumatized. And church hurt, as you said, is a real thing. I think, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like people would, would come to a church for healing and redemption and reconciliation and end up being um, a place of hurt for them. But it happens. And it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it does, unfortunately, it happens a lot. And um, I'm just a big proponent of personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And in that personal responsibility, it comes in a lot of right. forms. Um, before I can be personally responsible for um, removing myself from a place that's toxic, I have to understand first that it's toxic. I have to understand who I am and whose I am. Right. And then begin to uh, use the word of God. Right. In order to, to um, transform into the woman of God that he's called me to be. Right. And know that he's the only person that really matters. Right? Mm-hmm. right? He's, he's on my side. He's on my team. And when I listen to him and I allow him, the people that I need to be connected with, and the resources that I need will come to me. Um, but if, you know, if there's any listeners that are listening to this or will listen to the replay or be on uh, next week, Uh, uh, my new book came out last week and it's called redefining success eight tools that i use to develop a growth mindset and it's written from a judeo-christian perspective on actually you know how to walk in that renewed mind how to walk in the renewed mind and to become the person that god intends for you to be amen amen well get the book folks if you're listening get the book we're going to um, wrap up, and I want to thank um, Jason Kinte for coming on and Todd Martin and, and Laquita Monley, and, and um, I hope to hear from them all next week. i got given you an assignment to do your homework so, so, that, we, so that we can go in deeper. I'm on my assignment, sir. I'm on my yeah, assignment. Yeah, and so that we can go in deep. We can go in deep and really try to help somebody who, um, who's been affected. I've, I've um, taken the, uh, the vow to myself and to God that I don't want to be a person to uh, a minister that hurts somebody. You know, I heard Jason Kinte use the, the, uh, the, the expression of a sinister minister. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to be that. And I don't want to hurt anybody with poor theology and poor practice. There's all, there's always, there seems to be a gap between our theory or our theology and our actual practice. So what we want to try to do with this conversation about women in the church is dismantle harmful theologies and, and harmful practices and, and, and um, just bring people's attention to the, to the seriousness of, of the, the levels of hurt that happen through, 
through um, bad theology and bad practice. So we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, next week, uh, we're hoping to have um, a part two, or really supposed to be part one, talk about um, women in the church. Today was a, a setup for that conversation. And we're going to continue next Sunday, 4 o'clock, this same time. And I want to thank again um, Jason, Todd, and Laquita for coming on. I hope to hear from them next week. I hope they bring, and I trust that they'll bring something to the table. So my prayer for everybody um, that's listening today is that we um, come together in these conversations and dismantle the harmful uh, theologies and practices that that um, that hurt people's lives instead of helping them. So thanks for listening. God be with you. And I shall see or hear from you next week. God bless.